0: that. Um, I want to get into the word of the Lord this morning. I contemplated on how many ways you could preach the Christmas story. And I thought of the monotony that could be involved with it. And uh, so I uh, gathered some thoughts, and I want to share those with you. And I want to speak to you on this subject, the five truths of the Christmas story and let me continue on with that title that are important for us to teach our children. The five truths of the Christmas story that are important for us to teach to our children. It is easy to, for us to get caught up in the commercialization of Christmas. It begins, many of you know, at 12 a.m. the day after Thanksgiving, as crazy people all over the world, brave The stores, they leave the peace and the comfort of their homes, the quiet of their homes, and they are content with fighting with complete and total strangers at Walmart and at Toys R Us over PlayStations and Lego sets. And As though that is not enough, we make ourselves look silly sometimes. Some forego sleep on Cyber Monday as you surf the internet until the wee hours of the morning, all in search for a good deal on the perfect gift. See, all the stores this time of year are adorned and their shelves are stocked with all things Christmas. And we find our inboxes full uh, of emails containing store catalogs and advertising their sales. Beautifully, wrapped presents are arranged around the Christmas tree. Uh, And what those gifts contain in them are the continual thought that occupy the minds of, of our children until Christmas Day. And after we get past Santa's eight reindeer, and we get past Frosty the Snowman, our thoughts finally begin to land on a baby lying in a manger, surrounded by all sorts of livestock. A baby that did not come in the fashion that the world expected. You see, they wanted a prince who would be born in a palace, but instead they got a pauper in a barn. They wanted a knight in shining armor riding on a white horse. Instead, they got a humble carpenter. When we study the life of Jesus, we will quickly... Uh, come to the conclusion that he was nothing like what we expected. Yet, he is everything that we need. We set the example for all those, or he has set an example for all of us to follow. He was a man of no reputation, the Bible tells us, that took on the form of a servant. And as one songwriter wrote, what a strange way to save the world. Yet 2,000 years later, people are still being saved by that same poor carpenter who was born in a stable. And as we approach Christmas Day this next week, in a week from today, it is important, and I want to talk specifically to parents and grandparents. I know some of our youth are in uh, the sanctuary this morning, and and I hope to say something that will resound to you. And uh, but I hope to speak to our parents and our grandparents this morning. But it is important for us to take this opportunity to share the true message and power of Christmas with our children. Christmas provides a wonderful opportunity to pour the truth of the gospel into the hearts of our children. It is an ideal time to show them that the greatest gift that they could ever receive is not wrapped in paper under a tree, but is the gift of Jesus Christ and His Spirit living and dwelling on the inside of us. There are many ways that we share the power of Christmas with our families, and today... I would like to share with you five truths that stand out to me this Christmas about the Christmas story. The first truth is the story of redemption. You see, with the anticipation of Christmas Day, we can teach our children the beginning with the story of creation. And we can walk through the story of redemption until we get to Christ's birth on Christmas Day. We could talk about God's promise of a Savior in Genesis chapter 3 and read about His promise to Abraham that He reaffirms all throughout throughout the Old Testament. We can discuss Moses and the one that is would be greater than Moses that we read about in Hebrews chapter 3. For the word of God says, For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, insomuch that he hath builded the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house, as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after, but Christ, as the Son over His house, whose house we are today, if ho- if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope, firm unto the end. Read the prophecies of Isaiah, and look how the Bible points to our Redeemer. When Isaiah wrote so many years before the birth of Jesus, when he said unto us. A child is born. Unto us a son is given. In order for Luke to proclaim glory to God in the highest, God had to first become God of the lowest. He had to humble himself all to go to an old rugged cross. You see, the plan of his birth was to come... And to save sinners from their sins. This is how we make the power of Christmas come alive in the lives of our children. Present Christmas as part of the redemption story to them. Is there anybody in this house this morning that you're glad that you've been redeemed by Christ Jesus? You have been bought with a price. I wish somebody who knows about the power of the redemption story, would testify about it this morning. I wish that someone who has been redeemed by the power of an almighty God would just lift your hands in this house this morning and just begin to praise God. Don't let Christmas be just about the gifts and the present, but let Christmas be a day that we celebrate the fact that He came to save us from our sins. But the Christmas story is bigger than just His redemption. You see, the next truth that I want to talk to you about is simply the humility of Christ, the humility of God. For the world, you see, this this holiday season, it's about the extravagance, and it's about the overindulgence. I hate to think, and I did not take the time to look about at the predictions of what Americans may spend on Christmas gifts this year, but it's about, to the world, the extravagance, and it's about the overindulgence. It's about finding the right gift for the right person. It's about making everything just so. It's got to be perfect. you got to make that loved one cry when they open that gift. I don't know why we do that sort of thing, but we do. But by contrast, the story of Jesus is one of humility. His birth and His life are an example to all of us today of what it takes to be among the greatest in the kingdom of God. Matthew 20, 26 through 28, But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister." And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came, not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. The way that Jesus was born, his parents, his hometown, the very act of enrobing himself in humanity, all, Were demonstrations of his humility. As I've read, as I've already stated to you this morning, most expected Messiah to live in a palace, not a stable. Most expected him to conquer the Romans, not to be crucified by the Romans. But in all this, Jesus remained humble. Paul tells us in Philippians, let this mind be in you Wherefore God also hath highly exalted Him, and given Him a name which is above every name. Aren't you glad about that this morning? That at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of things in heaven and in in things of earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So I want to tell you this morning that in this Christmas season, teach your children and show others the humility of Christ in your life. Let them know how important it is to be humble before the Lord. Let them know how important it is to be just as Christ was, a servant to all men. Show the love of Christ this Christmas season. Show others that it's more than just presents. Show your children that it's more than just receiving gifts under the Christmas tree. There is so much more to the Christmas story than just presents and gifts. And there's more to the Christmas story than just Christmas trees and lights. But it is about, in part, the humility Of Christ who would robe himself in flesh and dwell among us. He could have come to a palace. He should have come to a palace. He was royalty. He was God Almighty. Yet he came as a human baby born in a manger among animals. The humility of Christ. Another equally important truth that we can share through this Christmas story is Jesus worked through weakness. Aren't you glad to know that this morning? That God works through our weaknesses. That God doesn't have to have somebody that has everything together. God doesn't have to have the perfect specimen, but He works with what He's got to work with. He works with us when we are at our weakest. This is one of the most important messages That we could possibly share this Christmas season. You see in a world that encourages us to wear masks. And to be sure that we never let anyone see our weaknesses. Jesus has a completely different message for us. You see God often chooses the weak. And the unlikely to use in his story of redemption. Take, for example, his mother Mary. She was a simple, poor girl from an insignificant town. Take the apostle Peter who was nothing more than an uneducated fisherman with a bad temper. Yet, to God, his weakness did not disqualify him for use in his kingdom. God's glory can only be displayed when He works through our weaknesses. And His power can only be made real to us when He shows up in the midst of our weaknesses. When He shows up at the lowest time of our life and He begins to work on us and He begins to rearrange us and He begins to remake us and He begins to take those weaknesses and He can turn them into our greatest strength. Take a look at your own life this morning. Examine your own weaknesses this morning. And then ask yourself a question. Why would God use me? Why would God by the top of you be concerned with me? After all, I'm quick with my words. I'm swift to anger. I'm have a problem with speaking my mind tonight. And, and yes, you don't have to wonder sometimes, I do have those problems. But I'm, I'm not as good as so-and-so, and I don't have it altogether like so-and-so, and I, I don't count myself worthy to be used in the kingdom of God. But God. His glory, His power is displayed through our weaknesses. This is seen most drastically in Jesus' death when He took our place on the cross and in His resurrection on the third day in seeing our victory over sin and death. The beauty of the Christmas story becomes even more powerful when we show our children that God does His best work when using our weakness. When we show our children that God does His best work. When we have nowhere else to turn. He does His best work. When where we fall short of being able. We feel to be used in the kingdom of God. So I ask you today. Would you let your children know this Christmas season. How dependent you are on God's saving grace. We need to admit that we are nothing without Him. I am dependent on Him as my Savior. We must recognize our need for Him as our Savior. We are absolutely nothing without Christ Jesus. We can do nothing in Him. Our very help comes from Him and Him alone. In Him is our breath. In Him is our very existence. So this Christmas season, let us not make it about something that it's not. But let's make it about a Savior who is concerned about us, who cares about our weaknesses, and is willing to use us even though we are not worthy to be used. See, we cannot hide the fact of our imperfection and our mistakes, as hard as we sometimes try to hide our weaknesses from our children, they know and they recognize them. They they recognize our shortcomings. They know it when Dad slips up and does a little bit of yelling at Mom across the house when the laundry's not done and he can't find a pair of socks. He knows, he knows when mom and dad are fussing. He knows when dad is, is quick to spout off something at someone who cut them off on the road. Driving to McDonald's for a Happy Meal. Hello. They know. They know. They know whether or not we are living the life in front of them. They know us at our very core. And though sometimes we tried to hide it, they see our weaknesses. I want to tell you today, I know that it can be difficult to trust God in our weakness. I'm very aware that it hurts to be vulnerable before God. Sometimes it's painful, the remaking process, the reshaping process. I know it's hard, and I know it's scary sometimes, but I want to tell you that God will work through our weaknesses, no matter how bad they may be. You may say, well, you don't understand what I deal with. You don't understand what's in my life. You don't understand what I did this week. You don't understand how I acted. You don't You don't understand how many times that I lost my temper this week. But I want to tell you it doesn't matter. God is not concerned with that because He knows that we don't have the willpower to control that ourselves. But God is willing in this season that we celebrate His birth. He's willing to take what weaknesses that you do have. He's willing to take what abilities you do have. And He's willing to use them in His kingdom. He's willing to use Him. Use them so that He would receive all the glory and all the honor. And for some of us, that really has to be true because if God can use us, then He's deserving of all the glory and all the honor. Teach our children that God works even though that we are weak. The fourth truth that I want to share with you today is that God keeps His promises anybody thankful for that today aren't you glad that God is a God that keeps his promise aren't you think that God keeps his word aren't you glad that the Bible says that he is a man that he should not lie he's incapable of telling a lie aren't you thankful that God always keeps his promises so I want to tell you with that in mind today that if God gave you a word you can take it to the bank. God will not and does not lie. If He spoke it to you, I don't care if it was 20, 30, 40 years ago, but if He spoke it to you, then you can rest assured that it will come to pass. Don't let it just be about the presence and the food and the family time this year, but let it be about... The fact that His Word does not lie. We can begin with the promise of a Savior after the fall and go all throughout the Old Testament looking at God's promise to redeem His people. This was fulfilled in Christ because God never, never goes back on His Word. If He spoke it, He will perform it. Isaiah 55 and 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. This is the beauty of the great redemption story. God promised that He would redeem man when Jesus came. It was the fulfillment, the birth of that baby in a manger in Bethlehem was the fulfillment of that promise. I'm thankful today that I can proclaim to you that God always keeps His Word. I'm only 40 years old. But in my lifetime, I can tell you that God has always kept His Word. God has always kept His promise. And someone here today needs to rest in the fact that He always keeps His Word. If you have an unfulfilled promise, maybe it's an unsafe child, an unsafe family member. But if you have an unfulfilled promise from God you need to go ahead and stand and reclaim that today. Because He is a God of His Word. The fifth and the final truth that we, can, we should teach our children this Christmas season is the power of His name. We get so comfortable saying that name that if we are not careful we can forget what that name represents. There is still power in the name of Jesus Christ. There is power to remit sin in the name of Jesus. There is power to save a soul in the name of Jesus. There is power to cast out devils in the name of Jesus. There's power to lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover when we speak the name of Jesus. Because there is all power and all authority in that name. You see, Jesus was in the plan, was part of the plan from the very beginning. But the Christmas story is when the prophecy began to be fulfilled. Luke 1, 30 and 31, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. No better words to hear than that. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Jesus that we celebrate this season is not just any child, but He is the Messiah. He is a Messiah that is the Savior of the world. The baby that we celebrate this season was not just born to bring gifts to, and for a reason, for us to give gifts And presents to our families and our loved ones. But that baby was born to save sinners from their sins. I don't know about you this morning, but that excites me. I don't know about you this morning, but that gives me a hope today. That that baby that was born all those years ago, and though he went to a cross and was crucified... And he went to a grave and he rose again. That same baby, that same name still has power today. Still has power. There's still power in the name of Jesus. Whatever it is that you need today, there's power in the name of Jesus to work on your behalf. I want my boys to know this Christmas season that this is the reason. That we celebrate Christmas. It's not the lights. It's not going outside and making snow angels. It's not about the presents and the pretty wrapping paper. And it's not about the perfect gift. But it is about the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who still has the power. And is still looking to save those which are lost. That's what Christmas is all about. We've made it so many more things. We've made it so much about what it's not meant to be. We've commercialized it. We've become numb to it. And even as children of God, even in the church, we've made it something that it's not. Acts 4 and 12 says, Neither... Is there salvation in any other? For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I'm talking about power of the name of Jesus. Romans 14, 11, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, Every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. I want you this Christmas season. I urge you to take advantage of your time together with your family this year. And that's all good. That's all in order. And I will do the same. Next week, we will gather around the tree. And for us, it will be a little different Christmas because, again, one more seat will be empty. But we'll watch the kids and we'll joy in the kids as they open their gifts. As their face lights up, with each tear of the wrapping paper, with each gift open, we will celebrate and we will enjoy, enjoy our time together. We will mourn those that are not with us this year. and We will look back to memories of when they were with us. And we will enjoy our time together. And I want you to do the same. But I, 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 want, I want to let my boys and I want to let my family know How important the name of Jesus is this Christmas season. I want to let them know how powerful that name of Jesus really is. Help your children this season to see the greatest gift that they could ever receive uh, is not wrapped in paper, but Jesus is the greatest gift that they could ever receive. And it is the greatest gift that we could ever share with others. He is the reason that we are here this morning. We came to worship and to celebrate a Savior. See, Jesus is in the house today because the Bible tells us that He inhabits the praises of His people. Just like the wise men in Matthew chapter 2. Would we let this be an example to all of us that we must come to worship Jesus. Just like the wise men came to worship Him, we too should worship Him this Christmas season. They didn't come just to bring gifts. Although that was how they worshipped. That was part of their worship. But they traveled Many, many miles, perhaps many days on foot and on camel because they heard that a Savior had been born. And they recognized, just like we need to recognize today, that if there is indeed a Savior, that I have need for Him in my life. Is there anybody in this house this morning That you recognize that same need for Jesus today. We must recognize that we cannot be saved without a Savior. We cannot be saved without a redemption story. And we sure cannot be saved without the Lord Jesus Christ. We need Him in our lives this Christmas season. I close today with the music come. You see, this is what I do know. There's many things I don't know. You'll never, ever hear me say that again. I've got my boys convinced convinced that I know everything. But there's not so much truth in that. But here's what I do know. His Word says to worship Him in spirit. Come on, Bible scholars. And in spirit. But when I come to this house this frigid Sunday morning, I must recognize that I have a mandate from God to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Is there anybody here today that's thankful that you have the truth? Come on, is there anybody in the house that is really thankful that you have the truth? Is there anybody that's thankful that you possess the name of Jesus, that that name has been applied to your life? Aren't you thankful for truth? Aren't you thankful for the name of Jesus? His word says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Are you thankful? Then enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. You see, I have an obligation because I realize, for the newcomer, I realize something. And the older I get, the more that I realize it. And that is that I am nothing without Him. You see, I don't care how talented you are. I don't care how many instruments you can play. I'm not concerned with how good you can sing. I'm not necessarily... Concerned with how good someone can preach. How good their oratory is. Or how they can paint a picture with their words like none other. Like Picasso when he put a brush to the canvas. I'm I'm not concerned about that. I'm not concerned with what little ability that God has given me. Because I realize that that ability has nothing to do with me. Nothing about me, Brother Bollinger, because I'm nothing without him. If he left me, then all, if he so chose to take that ability and those talents from me, there's nothing that I could do about it because I'm nothing. The Word of God says that we can't even draw our next breath without him. So it really puts into perspective when the writer says, what is man that you are mindful of him? So I ask all of us in this room today, who are we that God would be mindful of us? Who are we that God would enrobe himself in flesh, dwell among us, and eventually give His life a ransom for me. I have an obligation, as I've already said, because I am nothing without Him. But that isn't the only reason that I worship Him. I don't only re- worship Him just out of obligation and just because I have a mandate. But another reason that I worship Him... And here, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, here's where I want to hit us right between the eyes today. Would you allow me to do that? Would you allow me that liberty today? The other reason I worship him, because his words said, train up a child in the way he should go. That when he is not old, he won't depart from it. Train up. Child in the way he should go. For the top of him when he's old. Now, I've shared this with some. I think I had a misconception growing up that if we were to train our children, we teach them about the things of God, that they would never leave. That's not, that's not accurate. We see that. That's not accurate. Just because someone who lives for God and their children have walked away from God does not mean that they did not teach them. Can I get a witness today? Does not mean that whatsoever. But that scripture simply means that when we train them, when we bring them up, when they're old, I wish it read like this: Train up a child the way should go, and when he is old, it will not depart from him. That's what I wish the scripture said, because the truth is, they may walk away, but what you have taught them will stay with them for the rest of their lives. What we teach them is how they're going to react in the hard times. How we teach them to be and how to react in the face of adversity is teaching them for the rest of their lives. So it is my mandate to teach and train my boys. It is my mandate I wish my boys were in here today. My mandate, my obligation, is to treat, teach Aiden and Brantley. I have them for a short time; they're impressionable right now. Your children are impressionable right now. I don't care. I don't. I, I'm not a big believer that you can't impact your kid's life when they're. Grown and out of the house. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily believe that. I know I do believe that they're more impressionable at a younger age. But it is my obligation to train Aiden and Brantley now. I want them to know that their dad isn't just a preacher. I want them to know that their dad is not just an assistant pastor. But I want, them, I want Aiden and Brantley to grow up knowing that their dad is a worshiper. I want them to see dad at church with his hands lifted. That's why I do what I do. That's why I sing my heart out. When there's so many other more talented singers than I, That's why I do my best service after service. That's why when I sit down on the drums to play, that I do my very best with the ability that God gave me. No, it's not to be seen. No, it's not for a compliment. But I got two sets of eyes that are watching Everything that I do. I've got two sets of eyes that belong to two beautiful boys who for some absurd reason want to be just like dad when they grow up. i got two boys that already say, Dad, I want to be a preacher. Dad, I want to play the drums just like you. Dad, I want to sing just like you when I get older. So I realize my obligation... That when I come into this house, and not just in this place, I'm not just a worshiper when I'm at Christian Life Church, but I'm a worshiper when I'm at home. That's why I lay down at night with my boys and we pray and we go to God and we ask that God would cover us and we ask that God would protect us and God, let our lives reflect you. That's why I do what I do. Because I'm training my kids. This Christmas season, let us first realize that weight. And and you may say, well, I'm here, I'm just a grandparent. Listen, Grandma and Grandpa, you still have an effect on your grandchildren's lives. And let me tell you this, as a parent, we welcome your influence in our kids' lives. We really do. We really do care that when we send them over to your house, that you don't give them Pepsi and chocolate. Hello. We really do care that you're being a godly example to our kids. Stand with me today. That's why. So in this Christmas season, let's remember that. Let that weight rest on our shoulders today. Let that weight impact us today. And let's gather this next week. Let's gather our children around. And let them know it's not about the presence. You know, somebody impacted me. And I'll share this and I'll, I'll shut up. Somebody impacted me online this week. My wife said, you've got to see this. You've got to, you've got to see this. And it was a denominal preacher and he was preaching at a big, massive church. And he said, he said, I remember a day... I remember a year when we didn't have any money and it, we didn't even know if we were going to able, be able to buy our kids gifts that year. And he said, so I was praying and I was, he said, I was actually angry at God and I, I was saying, God, I'm not even going to be able to buy gifts for my kids. And he said, God, in a moment, begin to speak to him and begin to tell him how that it's not about the gifts, but there are gifts that he could pass down to his children. And he said, so that year, he said, I started, he said, I did it with all my kids and I did it with my grandkids. He said, I gathered my kids around and I gave them a gift from dad and that gift was imparting a spiritual gift to them. He said, I grabbed one child and I set him on my lap and I prayed and imparted the gift of leadership. I prayed for another one and imparted the gift of a servant. You get where I'm going with this today? This Christmas season, impart something to your kids that they will never, ever forget. Make it about what it truly is this morning. Would you lift your hands all across this building? Come on, would you just begin to lift your voice and would you begin to give God praise? Come on, would you begin to worship God in this Christmas season? Would you? Come on, I wish I could hear your voice today. I wish I could hear the voice of some moms and dads. I, I, I wish I could hear the voices of some grandmas and, and grandpas as you begin to praise God in this Christmas season, that as you begin to to magnify God in in this Christmas season. It's not about gifts. It's not about presents. It's not about lights. It's about a Savior. Oh, come on. Would you cry out to the Lord this morning? Would you lift your voice? You. To worship you, I live, Jesus, to worship you, I live, I live, to worship you, come on, we have a mandate from the Lord, to worship you.